Hey guys, it's Tyler. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today where we talk faith, family, and focus in your life and your leadership. You know, juggling all of these things, it is so hard to keep track. Sometimes our heart can become so restless under the stress and the responsibility of all these facets of life. And that's why I wrote my book, Restless, Finding Rest in a Restless World. You can go to my website and get a free copy of that book, a free paperback copy of that book at tylerarobertson.com slash restless. So if you haven't done that yet, head on over to my website and do that. Grab a free copy of that book, Restless, Finding Rest in a Restless World. And with that, let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the Navigators Podcast, the podcast that equips men and women to steer the course of biblical Christianity in our culture today. Each week, we discuss faith, family, and the cultural trends that are sure to impact the local church. Join Tyler Robertson as we study God's Word together. Well, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this idea of picking it up. What's it? It's the Word of God and God's truth. Picking it up and passing it on. We looked at it in Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse, uh, verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. He was talking to a young Timothy. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And we talked about two of those four groups of people that Paul addresses here, listeners and learners. We talked about that, how there's a difference between a listener and a learner. A listener, they hear the truth, yes, they've taken the initial step and they've heard the truth, but learners, what do they do? They hide the truth. They hide it where? They hide it in their heart. And we talked about that. How can we take God's word and hide it in our heart? We talked about hearing it, examining, analyze, reciting it. All of those things of hiding God's word into the fabric of our being, uh, getting God's word not just in our head, but in our heart, in our belief system. Because ultimately, what is in our heart is going to come out of our life, right? What's in our heart is going to become the work of of our hands. And that brings us to this third group of people, faithful men. Faithful men. We saw it in that verse where he says, commit thou to faithful men. He was telling Timothy, he was saying, hey, the truth that you've learned of me, I want you to give it to people who are already faithful. Educate these people in God's truth and in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. These were faithful men, faithful servants of the Lord, those that not just listen to the truth, not just learn the truth or hide it in their hearts, but now these are laborers. These are servants, laborers that heed to the truth, right? They've passed on now. They've gotten the idea of picking God's truth up, right, by listening and learning, but now they are passing it on. How are they doing that? They're doing that through their service to the Lord, right? They're literally doing that with the work of their hands. You know, you know somebody uh, by the work of their hands, right? You can look down and, and see a man or shake a man's hand. And if it's if it's rough and no doubt there's black grease that's kind of embedded in his, uh, in his palm and in his fingers, you could probably assume that he's a mechanic of some kind, right? You know, uh, you, by looking at a man's hands, you, you know his labor. Or by looking at a man's uh, artwork, right? You can, you can see the style of, uh, of a certain piece of art and say, well, I know who painted that or I know who drew that why because it is the labor of their hands it is our labor is something that it concretes our identity 
right? It, it is a reflection of our identity, and it's the same way with the Lord. Our labor, when we heed to God's truth, it is a reflection to the world around us that the Savior lives in us. What does James 1 say? He says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, right? Because knowledge is deceiving. Knowledge, the Bible says, it puffeth up. A lot of people, they want to cram a bunch of information in their head, uh, it's, but it's never reached their heart. It's never reached their belief system, so it certainly doesn't reach what they do. They don't become a laborer. They just learn, or they just, or rather they just listen to the Word and fill their mind with a bunch of facts. Well, facts can puff you up. It can make you prideful. And James is saying it's deceiving your own selves when you are a hearer of the Word only, and you're not a doer. He goes on to say, For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his face, a natural face, in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, he looks at himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, watch that, that's the word of God, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You want to be blessed in your deeds? You want to be blessed in the eyes of the Lord? Well, become a doer of the word. Become someone who doesn't just pick up the word of God, but they pass it on through the work of their hands. 1 Corinthians 15, a verse you probably already know, but it encourages, encourages us. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Unmovable, right? You are settled, concrete, your foundation is firm. Why? Because your life is built on the Word of God, right? Be steadfast, unmovable. So when the winds of uh, worldly culture come blowing against you, when you have set your sails to pursue Jesus Christ and the waves of the world try to wreck your life, right? Well, what do you do? Continue in the work of the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I love this. For as much as you know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that. Your labor is not in vain. So you, if you sow righteousness and righteous deeds, then you are going to reap eternal fruit. Because what does he say? Know ye that your labor is not in vain. And what's the last three words? In the Lord. Right? If you sow to God, he will take what you've got, the little that you've given, and he'll multiply. See, the devil, he loves to divide. He loves to destroy the Bible says he's a roaring lion that walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil loves to destroy, and I promise you that the world, they love to uh, take from you everything that you've got. They love, to, uh, they love to take and take and take, and yet they give you nothing in return. But God's way is multiplication, right? If you take something small, like faith, like a mustard seed. God, you see this theme all the time throughout the Gospels where Jesus takes something so small, someone so weak, the bruised reed, the smoking flax, things that the world sees no use in it, God sees use in it. And you give that back to the Lord, you serve the Lord with what he's given you, right? Your labor is not going to be in vain, and you're going to reap eternal fruit from that labor. But I think one of the most important questions that we've got to ask in regards to our service to God is why? Because a lot of times what we do is we, we serve and serve and serve and serve, but there's no why behind it. We haven't answered the question of why do I serve the Lord? 
why do I give my time to my church? Why do I do the things that I do? Because here's here's the reality. It's because we live in a generation today of, of, of millennials and of young people who want to know why. It's one thing to serve the Lord out of obedience— and that's obviously we ought to serve the Lord out of obedience. We ought to do what his word says. And there's and obviously we ought to have faith in things we don't understand, continue in the work of the Lord anyway, right? Not always having to have the why. But at the same time, on the other end of that coin, we live in a generation and a culture that wants to understand why. And that's why I think that you should you should teach your children why. Why do we serve the Lord? Why do we go to church? I want to teach my children that, right? I want to teach them, hey, why does dad preach? Why does dad uh, give so much time to the church? Why does dad give so much time to other people? Because I want them to know that, number one, I love Jesus, but I want them to know, hey, there is a reason to serve the Lord, and I want to teach my kids why I serve the Lord. And I began to think on that. Why do I serve the Lord? Why, as a young man in the ministry. Why do I do the things that I do? Because I think it's important that we lay the foundation, the concrete foundation of why uh, that will set the precedent for the rest of our lives. And that's what I want to do. The Lord's really convicted me about that. Just Lord, help me to lay the foundation of my why, to find my why and to go out there and do the what, right? To do the service to the Lord. So why do I serve the Lord? I just wrote down a couple things and hopefully they'll be a help to you. First of all, I would say because he loves me and he gave himself for me, right? If his love, if the magnitude of God's love doesn't motivate you to serve him, honestly, I don't know what will. Because when you look at the realities of Scripture and the realities of God's love for you, by the way, God, it, his love is not just something he does. His love is who he is, right? It's literally his character. God, the Bible says, is love, right? He is the perfect picture and the perfect, literally the personification, not just a picture, but a personification of love. And God loves us so much. The Bible says in Romans 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, we spent so many weeks studying a few months back, for God so loved the world. As one commentator said, they, they believe that the biggest word in the Bible is that little word, so. Why? Because it shows us the magnitude of God's love for people like us who are wretched sinners, who are useless. Uh, God sees use in it. God sees value in us, and he loves us enough. How, how does he love us? How did he show that? Well, he showed that by sending his son, right? He sent his son to down across literally to pay uh, for our sins, you realize Jesus didn't have to do that for you? He did not have to do that for you. Uh, he could have said, you know what, I don't want to do this. I don't want to take this cup and given up in the garden. But he said, not my will, but thine be done. He loved you enough to sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, to literally lay down his life as the perfect lamb, as the perfect, uh, as the perfect sacrifice that satisfies God's wrath. Paul says this in Galatians. He says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you think about how much God loves you, you can't do anything but serve him. Right? We're, we are on the verge of Thanksgiving. We've, we have reached November, which is crazy to even believe. But we have reached November, and we are on the verge of Thanksgiving. And, you know, I was telling my students 
today in Bible class, I was saying, why do I serve the Lord? Why, why, do, I, why do I give my time to God? It's because uh, He's everything to me. Because everything we do, all of our service, ought to flow out of a heart of gratitude. Out of, ought to flow out of a heart of, of, of thanksgiving to God. Every service that we partake in, what are we saying to the Lord? Thank you, God. Right? Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice for me. Lord, thank you for salvation. With every service that we give to him. And when you think about the fact he loves you, uh, you, you can't do anything but that. I would say the second thing would be because he rewards faithfulness. You know, I don't do what I do because uh, I get a reward. I do it because I love Jesus, right? But I'm very glad that God keeps a perfect record in heaven of everything that I do for him. That's an amazing thought, right? Sometimes I forget things. Sometimes people say, hey, can you do this for me? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, I got it, man. And I'll, you know, I'll make a mental note of it, and guess what happens? Uh, it'll be gone. <laughs> the next day I wake up, what was that thing they asked me to do? Oh, I can't remember. What was it? And uh, somebody said that a long pencil is better than a short memory. And I think that's so true, right? I'm easily, uh, or I easily forget. But Jesus, he doesn't forget. And He keep, God keeps a perfect record in heaven of our faithfulness to him. The Bible says in Galatians 6, let us not be weary in well-doing. You ever feel like you're weary in well-doing? <laughs> well, Paul says, don't be weary in well-doing. Sometimes it's like, Man, I'm doing so much good for the world. Am I doing any good for me? <laughs> you know, or I'm, I'm, I'm so busy giving to other people. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm just worn out. I'm just weary. Well, he says, don't be weary in well doing, for in due season, in God's. That's a fancy way of saying in God's time. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Paul's saying, hey, keep going. Keep on keeping on, as, as one preacher said. You know, keep serving the Lord because you're going to reap in due season and in God's time. It's easy for us to believe that our toil here on earth will not bring any fruit. Uh, some people have been on the mission field, maybe for a length of time, and they feel like, where is the fruit of our labor? <laughs> when is God going to work? Uh, and some people labor in the ministry for many years, and they don't see any fruit. Well, what does Paul say? He says, keep on keeping on. You know, God, he's written into the constitution of the universe this universal law of sowing and reaping. If you plant an apple seed, what are you going to get? You're going to get an apple tree, right? Nobody that says, oh, I'm going to plant this apple seed, and I'm, I really hope if I pray real hard, it's going to become an orange tree. Well, that's not going to happen, right? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap what is of that kind, right? You're going to reap exactly what you sow. And I think that's the same way spiritually. If you sow in the flesh, then what are you, what's going to happen? You're going to reap corruption. But if you sow in the Spirit, you plant the seeds that God has given you, the seed of God's truth in your heart, in your life, you serve the Lord in faithfulness, right? Then you shall reap life everlasting, Galatians 6, 8 says. So God has put in the universe this, this, this idea of what you put in is what is going to be returned. And so can I encourage you today, uh, invest in the Lord. Invest in the Lord's work. I promise you if you invest, you know, you can invest in a lot of things. You can invest in the stock market, individual stocks, mutual funds, ETFs. You can get all into that, and I have some of all that. But let me tell you, if you invest 
what you have, what God has already given you. Because, by the way, it's not really yours to invest. (laughs) It's God's anyway. But if you take what he's allowed you to steward and you give it back to him and say, Lord, I don't have much, but here it is. I promise you that God will multiply that and every time he will reward faithfulness. So I do what I do, not only because he loves me, and that's reason enough, but because he loves me and gave himself for me. And because he rewards faithfulness, but also I do what I do because time is short. You know, I'm considered in my life right now, I'm considered the prime of my life. I'm 26 years old, still young in the Lord, and and I'd like to think that I have a lot of life ahead. Now, I don't know that. That's, that's, That's the whole deal about this life is that we don't know when the end is near. We, we can pinpoint our beginning. We can tell you a time and a date and a year, okay? But we can't pinpoint an end. We have absolutely no idea when our life is going to end on earth. The Bible says that time are, or the days are evil. We have to redeem the time because the days are evil. And even goes on to say in Hebrews 9 that it's appointed unto man once to die. We're all going to die unless God takes us up in the rapture, which would be awesome. Um, but we're all going to have an end to this journey. And by the way, you shouldn't. Death should not be something. If you're a child of God, should not be something that you fear. Uh, now you may fear the way you die, <laughs> but uh, I certainly don't want to be uh, burned alive or or stuck out in the middle of the ocean, right? But if death for the child of God serves you. How does it serve you? It serves you because it puts you in front of Jesus. It it makes your faith become sight. And so death should be something you're not afraid of, but death certainly is certain. <laughs> and that's that's just a, a fact of life. James 4 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. One preacher, he used to put it this way, If you want to make the most of your life, meditate on your death. And I love that. You want to make the most of your life, meditate on your death. Meditate on the end. Meditate on the end and where you're going to be, right, at the end. And that will help you to make the most of your life. Live in the reality that our season on this earth is simply just for a moment. Why do I serve him? Because time is short. My life is short. And in the, in the grand scheme of things, in the, in, in the retrospect of eternity, let me tell you, my life is just a blip on the page of history. It is just a little speck, a little dot. And I want to make the most of my little dot as I can. So not only because he loves me and gave himself for me, not only because he rewards faithfulness, not only because time is short, but also why do I serve the Lord? Because he's coming again. He's coming again. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. I went to a conference here in Raleigh, North Carolina, not too long ago, and that was their theme. And so much the more, right? Because time is short. God can come back at any moment. What do we need to be doing? We need to be encouraging one another. The Bible says, provoke unto love and to good works. Literally, push one another. It's the idea of pushing one another towards the Lord. Pushing one another in service. Uh, has the idea also of a cheerleader who's on the sidelines and who's cheering on whoever's in the game. Uh, who are you cheering for? Let me ask you. I mean, are you praying for others 
Uh, are you praying for those that are in the service along with you, or do you see it as a competition? I think a lot of times our competitive way of thinking and our human nature, we think it's more of a competition between each other. And when God says, whoa, 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 stop right there. Provoke one another to love and good works. Hey, encourage one another. Philippians says in Philippians chapter 1, uh, strive together. We are to strive together for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There's a difference between striving and striving together. I think some Christians, they they, they, they like to strive. They're, they have a go-getter mentality. They plan it all out, man, and they, they got it all together. But they don't know what it means to work together as a team. They don't know what it means to strive and do it together. So Paul says, provoke one another unto love and to good works as you see the day approaching. Hey, the end is near. And it's awesome to think about at any moment uh, that Christ could come back. The Bible teaches us that the coming of the Lord is imminent. What does that mean? It means it could happen at any moment. At any moment, Christ could come back. That's the next thing on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture. And he could come back into the celestials of heaven and call up his children. We'd be caught up in the air. And what a day that would be. Why do I serve the Lord? Because that day could be today. Right? At this moment, Jesus that could could give uh, Michael the archangel the, the command and say, hey, today's the day. He could stand up from his throne and sound the trumpet, and we would go to meet him in the air. That is why I serve the Lord. And not only that he's coming soon, but guess what happens after he comes? It's the judgment. The judgment seat of Christ. Now, there's two judgments. Eschatology will teach you. Proper theology will teach you. There's two judgments. One is the judgment seat of Christ. The other one is the great white throne judgment. We are not part of the great white throne judgment. But we are, as a believer, going to be a part of the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ does not deal with our sin because that's already been judged at Calvary. Jesus said it is finished, right? His redemptive work was finished there on the cross. But what does it judge us for? The judgment seat of Christ is for what we do in the body, specifically what we do in the body of Christ, namely our service to him. I remember asking a preacher this question in Bible college. I said, what is the one thing that keeps you serving the Lord through these many years? And you know, of course, in Bible college, I thought he'd say something real spiritual like, well, the undying love of my wife. <laughs> or, and he's from the South, so he would say it just like that. And uh, or, or it was, you know, some influential preacher that passed down everything to him and, and uh, he touched his cloak and his suit jacket and God gave him a double portion of power behind the pulpit. I, I don't know what he was going to say. You know what he said? His answer was so simple, but it's yet so profound. He said, what keeps me going, what keeps me serving the Lord is the judgment seat of Christ. Knowing that one day I'm going to stand before God, and I am going to everything in my life, he's going to know it all. There is no secrets. There is nothing that I can keep back in the closet from him. Literally, literally, he's going to know it all. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, those are wood, hay, and stubble are worthless things, right? Gold, silver, precious stones that represent eternal rewards, things that last. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, that day, judgment seat of Christ, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. 
And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer a loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So the Bible plainly talks about how literally everything in our life that we've sown for wood, hay, and stubble, that will be consumed in the fire of God. One preacher uh, imagined, maybe, just maybe, because Revelation talks about how Christ's eyes are uh, a ruling fire, a raging fire. And he says, one look at Jesus. One look at Jesus and everything that's wood, hay, and stubble in our life will vanish away. And everything that's precious stone will remain. I'm not sure if that's how it will be at the judgment seat of Christ. That's a good picture, right? That's a good picture for me to help me and motivate me to keep serving the Lord because I want there to be precious stone. I want there to be eternal fruit of what I've done with my short time here on earth. So let me ask you, I've given you a couple of reasons as to why I serve the Lord. Can I ask you today, why do you serve the Lord? Why do you labor for the Lord? And what is the fuel that ignites the fire in your soul to be busy for the Master? Thank you for listening to The Navigator's Podcast. Visit TylerARobertson.com and subscribe to our readers group for helpful articles, podcast updates, and book releases. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to read more articles, listen to more podcast episodes, or find more resources, you can go to tyleraroberson.com, tyleraroberson.com, and subscribe to all of that. We would love to have you as a part of our community as we grow in our faith, family, and leadership focus. 